Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast, Dave and Pastor Merritt. Today we'll be on lesson number 26 in the book of Daniel, and we're going to do something a little different. Uh, we're going to get to about the middle of page three on that, and then we're going to look at uh, a better explanation or more detailed explanation, and we're going to look at the doctrine of the rock, which is also it's uh, in the categorical studies if you want to pull that up ahead of time. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1 9 as may or may not be necessary. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to name our sin back to you. And we are thus taught as promised by 1 John 1, 9. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, let's get going. Like I said, we'll be on lesson 26, and we're also going to look at the doctrine of the rock. Pastor Merritt, take it away. Last week... We concluded our teaching of Daniel 9, verses 24 through 27, taught verse 32, and then when time ran out, we were about to begin the teaching of verse 33. Before beginning the analysis of Daniel 2.33, I want to review an expanded translation of verses 31 and 32. So here we go. What you saw, O king, was this. There before you stood a great stature. This great image was awesome in brightness, its colorful appearance, signified several future glamorous empires. Its form, though, was terrifying, a symbol of the great power of the empires to come. The golden head represented you, O king, as ruler of Chaldea, the breast and arms of silver represent the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, which will follow, and the belly and thighs of prom—excuse me, bronze—represent a Grecian empire, whose kingdom will supplant the Medo-Persians. And now let's see what we can learn from verse 33. King James Version. His legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. The fourth kingdom is actually two. The legs of iron are the Roman Empire. The feet part of iron and part of clay represent the revived Roman Empire headed by the Antichrist 
It will last seven years. The seven years of the tribulation. The duration of the revived Roman Empire then is the well-known seven prophetic years. The revived Roman Empire will be headquartered in Rome, Italy. Daniel in chapter 9 is given information about the seven years owing, of course, owing to Israel and the revived Roman Empire. As we earlier studied, Gabriel in Daniel chapter 9 provides some highly specific information about both the Roman Empire and a future revived Roman Empire. Now let's see what we can learn about the destruction of the revived Roman Empire. So here we go with verse 34. First the KJV, then the NIV. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet. And those feet, remember, were made of iron and clay, and they broke into pieces. Now the NIV, while you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. <clears throat> Excuse me. The stone represents our Lord at the second advent. He will strike the image at his feet and the revived Roman Empire will be destroyed. The Gentile nations making up in part at least the revived Roman Empire are not further identified. As we know of these ten, or all we know about them, or that is of the ten, is that they are part of a ten-nation federation which will be headed by the Antichrist from his headquarters in Rome, Italy. Certainly, if you break the feet of the image, you destroy the statue. As noted, that which will strike the base of the statue and destroy the rulership of the Antichrist is a stone in the Hebrew Eben. Eben is a stone so large it has never been reduced in size. It is used, that is the word of Christ himself. Christ being referred to, that is symbolic of Christ himself. Christ being referred to as a stone is not unusual. 
a few such uses. Christ as the stone rejected by Israel. He is said to become the capstone. Psalm 118.22 The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. That's the last stone which they usually put on the building at its completion. It has a bit of authenticity attributed to it. Christ, who came after the prophets to find himself also rejected as the son of the owner of the vineyard, let me read about that in Mark chapter 12, verse 1, reading through verse 10. He then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But, uh uh-oh, they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. Again, a reference to prophets coming in advance of the Lord Jesus. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they kill. He had one left, one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and then the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. All right, David, you take over. All right, now we're going to look at the doctrine of the rock. Jesus is the rock, first to Israel and then to the church. Genesis 49, verse 24. But his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. At the first Meribah, at a place called Massa, 
Moses strikes the rock. The rock is symbolic of Jesus, says 1 Corinthians 10.4. And there is water. Exodus 17.6 and 7. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock. And there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord Lord among us or not? The rock providing the water was symbolic of Jesus, 1 Corinthians 10.4, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock, Petra, that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Striking the rock was analogous, analogous to the crucifixion of our Lord. Jesus was crucified once, and also we are to believe only once. At the second Meribah, at a place called Kadesh, in the desert of Zin, Moses makes the grave mistake of disobeying the Lord. Moses is ordered to speak to the rock, but instead he strikes the rock. For this disobedience, he is prohibited from seeing the promised land. In Numbers chapter 20, verse 8 through 12, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together. Thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, Ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, Therefore ye shall not drink this congregation into the land which I have given them. Notice, as you compare the Meribah stories with 1 Corinthians 10.4, there are are several principles to glean. The Lord wants only a right thing done in a right way. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Good intentions or secular wisdom. Jesus is to be struck once, meaning you are to believe once of the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved. Well, you've heard that before, right? Amen. God's judgment for time is severe, certain, and perfect given your needs. Moses was severely disciplined. Hebrews twelve six through 8. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all partakers, 
Then are ye bastards and not sons. Just before receiving the law tablets, Moses is protected from the deadly sight of God by a cleft in the rock. Again, the rock is symbolic of Jesus. Exodus 33, verses 21 through 23. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hands until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Interestingly, the Lord leads us to places of no water to test our faith. Deuteronomy 8.15 Who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water? Who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint? And then 32 verse 4, He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. The word of God is said to be a rock which will sustain you against the tests of time. Luke 6:48. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. The church is to be built upon the rock called Petra, i.e. Jesus. Peter is to be called Petros, a little chip off the big rock. The church is built on this statement of faith. Matthew sixteen eighteen, And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Christ is the rock upon which we build divine good, the gold, silver, and precious stones. And in conclusion, 1 Corinthians 3:11 through 15, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire." Well, gee, that was something. Yeah. Poor old Moses. <laughs> Man, that's tough. All the yeah, way. And, yeah, and it's All problem. the way, and you don't get to make it to the final destination. He gets to look at it, but he doesn't get to go in. That's right. All right, that concludes the first half, just about, of lesson number 26 in Daniel. And then the Doctrine of the Rock. We sure thank you for being here, and we'll be picking up with the second part of Lesson 26, as I mentioned. Next week, as Pastor Merritt would say, the good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Pastor Merritt, could you close us in a prayer? 
Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being so blessed by having the rock, the Lord Jesus, where we can, by faith alone, become members of his family, joint heirs with Christ, and recipients of marvelous blessings. So thank you for this chorus, grace, all that God is free to do for us on the basis of the cross. And uh, what else can I say other than thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Any unbelievers out there? Remember, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And until next time, so long.